Welcome to Larpenter Life, the podcast about HP St. Paul in the 80s and 90s. I'm your host, Dave Carey. Once one group came back, we would tell them about the new people that got hired that they had never met before. John Young came to our office. Everybody's doing presentations and so forth. And he snuck out the auditorium. Who's this black guy that came out here? Does he know what he's doing? This is episode 19, and my guest today is Bob Shell. If you missed any of the earlier episodes, you can get them anywhere you can find any podcast, pretty much. Now, here's my discussion with Bob. Well, welcome to Larpenter Life. My guest for today is Bob Shell. Bob, thanks so much for joining me. Well, Dave, thank you for inviting me. Bob, uh, I always like to start out by asking people where they're originally from, what's your hometown, and, and how did you get connected to HP originally? Well, I grew up in a suburb in the St. Louis area, and I was working for St. Joseph's Hospital in Kirkwood as a biotech, and that place was just completely full of HP gear. So uh, we spent a lot of time uh you know, doing installations and so forth. And I actually worked for Greg Coldis. So Greg Coldis and myself, uh, we did such a good job that the HP folks there in St. Louis were really impressed. So Greg uh, moved on to HP first. And then I used to tell him all the time, hey, if there's any openings, just let me know. So he arranged for me to get an interview in Chicago. So I went up to Chicago to do an interview, had to take tests and so forth. And I had uh, several interviews and then I got the call. So then I left Missouri and moved to Chicago. So I was working out of the HP area office, uh, 5201 Tollview Drive. And it was a fun time. The first week that I was there was uh, new employee orientation, right? So sales, service, anyone that was joining HP, uh, we had to go through different classes, you know, on how to do expense reports and so forth. And then we had sessions on the HP way. So one of the fun things was uh, that first week, I never had to cook because we had so many new sales reps and their managers were saying, hey, by the way, learn how to take customers out. So they're like, hey, do you guys want to come out for dinner, right? So we would go to different places for dinner. It was just really fantastic. Maybe you thought that's how it was going to be all the time, your whole career is <laughs> every night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was a fun place. So what year was that, Bob? That was 1978. 78, okay. And uh, one of my first jobs there, when I came there, they wanted to open this new position. They had so many customers that are saying, hey, do we have to pay to have someone travel out and fix these? They call them desktop calculators, uh, 9100As. That was what I was specialized in. 
And then uh, later on, they said, oh, we're growing like crazy. There's positions now in St. Paul. There's some in Bloomington. Everyone thought, oh, he'll want to go back to St. Louis. He want to be close, so he'll move to the Bloomington office. So I had had a conversation with Bob McCuskey and decided to move to St. Paul. And uh, that was a little different, you know, because in Chicago, uh, nothing ever stopped. And you came to St. Paul and certain things closed early. <laughs> right. Yeah. St. Paul and Chicago, even though both Midwestern cities, you know, there's definitely differences between them. So so what year was that then that you moved to St. Paul? I moved up into St. Paul really in 1979. So not long after you started, you you moved up up to up to Larpenter. Bob, this is, you and I have known each other for a long time. I don't think we've ever talked about this, but uh, it strikes me that um, Chicago is, uh, you know, there's an awful lot of diversity in Chicago and not near as much in St. Paul. And I'm assuming that was the case in the HP offices as, as well. Is that something for you early in your career that was, that was an ever, ever an issue for you? Uh, in Chicago, it was not, you know, because it was very, very diverse. Uh, you know, our team, we had Filipinos on that team. Um, we had Polish people, even though, you know, that's considered white. It's different cultures. Um, then we had a lot of African-Americans that have been in the service and came on board. And some of them worked in our group. Some of them did not. So once I came up to St. Paul, um, it was, we didn't have a lot of diversity at the time, women or African-Americans. And I can remember going out to some of the first service calls after I took over the reins of Bob McCussey because they had, they had uh, elevated Bob to a service manager, right? So I was taking his spot. So people would call Bob and say, hey, this, who's this black guy that came out here? Does he know what he's doing? And then Bob would just back. He was very nice. And he would just back him up and say, yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. Don't worry about it. He'll take care of you. And then later on, as we started hiring more females, uh, Cheryl Wilde, now Cheryl uh, Samansky at the time, I was mentoring her on uh, repairing computers. So once I let her go and she was going to some of the same customers, they would call me up and say, hey, by the way, what's this gal doing out here fixing computers? Does she know what she's doing? You know, and I had to kind of say, yes, she does. <laughs> she's She's been uh, well-trained. She knows what she's doing. You know, so we had a lot of older guys that really felt that women's place was in the home and not uh, working with technology. So you were really on both sides of that coin, so to speak. People asked about you and and then asked you about other people. And uh, as the workplace got more and more diverse, that's, that's pretty amazing. Right. Starting in the early 80s, um, boy, that was really a high growth area uh, for HP. Uh, was that kind of a fun environment to work in or challenging? How, how was that? Uh, how do you remember that? Well, here's how I remember that. When I first moved up, we weren't in the Larpenter office. We were over on Prior Avenue. And it was so tight to actually my manager. 
he had his office in a trailer. So when you would go to speak with, to certain sales reps or managers, you had to go out in the cold and go over to a trailer. So then we finally moved into that uh, first, I think it was uh, 40 K square feet office, foot office rather. And, uh, you know, at the time we were growing so fast so if you looked at the service customer engineers that were coming on board, we would send people out for nine weeks of training. And then uh, some other people would be hired. So once one group came back, we would tell them about the new people that got hired that they had never met before. And then we had one guy that went out and he was married and had their first child. And he said, man, once I got back home, my child didn't even recognize me. I went to pick pick my daughter up and she's crying because she didn't know who I was. Wow. But you know, we're just growing like crazy at the time. And then uh, the other thing that we used to love to do was play together. So we had so many people that were right out of college. Uh, and we used to have these famous snow football games in the back of the office on the weekends. When you think about the office um, back in those days, one of the things that strikes me that's really different now, of course, is that uh, especially after going through the pandemic and everything, people these days are almost everybody is working from home. And I worked from home in my career for a long time. But now these days, it's it's really working from home almost everywhere you go. There are some great advantages to that, but it strikes me that one of the disadvantages is just the, you know, the sort of ad hoc getting together and getting to know people in the office. What do you think about that? Well, what, one good thing that I loved about HP was uh, we had this famous uh, kind of break room. And early in the morning, we had donuts and coffee and some of the uh, staff people would do baking and bring that stuff in. Really good uh, banana uh, bread and different things like that. And it was a time where you had people, no matter what team, what group you worked for, you would just kind of get together, sit down and talk and chat. And that really made us a really tight family. So that's something that people don't have today that we had. And in general with HP, if you went to other offices in the Midwest, they did the same thing. Matter of fact, we had a guy, that a uh, professor from the University of Minnesota that would stop in there and have breakfast. And then after a while, someone asked, uh, what group do you work for? We haven't seen you in the office. He goes, no, I work for the University of Minnesota. I just decided to stop by and have breakfast. <laughs> just come in and take a few donuts. Huh? <laughs> You know, uh, the donuts was a great perk, and I just couldn't believe that when I started. And, you know, you just sort of you got to be, I can't remember what time it was in the morning. Let's just say it was 9 o'clock or something in the morning when they would show up. And about 8.45, your mouth would start watering. <laughs> You'd be like, where are those donuts? And um, I think I'm still sort of paying for that um, in terms of trying to work those donuts off my body. Uh you know, it's it's amazing how I don't know how many what years it actually ended, maybe 1990 or something, but uh, 10 years of putting that on and another 40 years of trying to take it off. 
Yeah, the the donuts and the camaraderie was one of the great perks of of working at HP. Um, that whole culture was filled with that of ways that it showed that HP sort of respected and cared about employees. Um, is that something that you remember too? Yes, yes, I did. Because um, you know, again, we had the HP way, and then again at CES we had to do this standby shift. So you're working with another person. And sometimes it's 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning, and you're trying to put somebody's system back together, and you need a part. So you could call your your partner that you were working with, and they would jump out of bed, go to the office, get the part, and bring it to you. Because I can remember doing, uh, at one time, we had these 7933s that were breaking heads all the time. So, you know, basically you had to go out there and do a PM and change heads. So I'm out there changing heads. And we also had a problem with uh, one of the spindle motor designs. So the spindle motor failed on one and I had one and then another one failed. So, you know, I got on the phone and called Jerry Hall. He went over to the HP office about 2 a.m. in the morning, drove all halfway to Hutchinson to give me this part. And, you know, people were just willing to do it. You know, there was none of this, oh, by the way, I was sleeping well and got to get up and bring this daggone part to you. So it was almost, it was such a team effort. It kind of reminds you, I've never been in the service, but kind of like the service. We're all together as a team. Right. I, I certainly remember that. Uh, I remember being on site early in my career, trying to work a problem, uh, software problem back in those days and kind of determined it was a hardware problem and, you know, got on the phone. And uh, I just couldn't believe the help. You, it just made you feel like when you're out on site, you really weren't alone, that you, you right, really right. did have the whole company behind you. And, you know, right. from a culture perspective, it's easy to talk about teamwork and it's easy for a company to say, you know, we trust our employees, we care about our employees, we're going to try to make our employees' lives better. But there are all kinds of little ways, you know, they weren't necessarily big things, even like, um, you know, having having the, um, you know, the service for the vehicles on site and things, you know, little things that um, ended up making a really big difference, Um you know, those kind of perks were really important. And, and and as you can recall, it was amazing when it was time to turn over the fleet. You looked on that back parking lot, it looked just like a dealership. There were so many cars out there. And then one year, once I got into management, for some reason, all the managers got white cars. And we couldn't find our cars. So we had to go around with the key fobs and click them to hear the horn going off to know that, yep, that's that's my car. But that was uh, great, you know, and once we lost that, and you're stuck in a uh, Ford dealership trying to get your oil changed, it's kind of hard having a phone call with customers, you know, when you're sitting in these waiting rooms with everyone else. So that was, I mean, it, it was really great. You know, the, uh, the free gasoline, uh, you could use the car, uh, for family vacations, um, didn't have to worry about paying for the gas. You didn't have to worry about telling your manager exactly where you were going because they all trusted you. Yeah, that trust is something that um, it's hard to put a price tag on. I even remember um, 
the HP van that we had that you could occasionally check out as an employee. Did you ever do that? Yes, I did. <laughs> that was uh, that was fun. You had something large to bring that wouldn't fit in the station wagon. You go get the HP van, or if you were trying to do some light moving. So that was great until we had one employee uh, kind of messed that up. You know, he was trying to do a little side business, and then after that, they had to put their foot down. It's like, nope, you can't have the van. <laughs> <laughs> Good things have to come to an end, I guess. Right. Bob, you, um, after your time as an individual contributor, you, you moved into the roles of management. Um, you want to tell me about what it was like to be a manager? Well, that was kind of, it was kind of exciting and fun. And uh, before I got to management, I was uh, a senior CE. It meant that I spent a lot of time mentoring new CEs that came on board. Or if someone got stuck with a, a tough problem and they had a bunch of calls to do, I'd just run out there and, and uh, take their place. So, um, you know, as a manager at HP, one thing that they wanted us to do was um, take people under our arms and act as a family. So you have to manage problems that they might in uh, the, uh, have themselves. And then when it came uh, for hiring people, then it was up to you to do all of the interviews and you could establish whatever process you needed in order to pick the right employees. But they used to say, uh, if you mess up, <laughs> it's it's all on you. But that was that was fun. And I think even today with record amount of people just uh, quitting their jobs, they said what's really going on is people really hate their their managers. And one thing that I appreciated that HP did was we had manager university. So you could sign up for several courses and they fly you out to maybe uh, La Jolla, California or Atlanta. And then you went through various classes on how to take care of people. Because again, that was one thing that uh, the Hewlett Packard family really believe strongly in is that you take care of your people as, as though they're, they're all, you're all. There was a lot of respect for employees from the very top. Um, I mean, I think there are some companies where the executive levels of that company, the CEO and the top executives are just so insulated from regular employees that, um, uh, that there's a almost an animosity that that develops there, and that we we never had that. Right. Well, I remember a, a time be, right before I became a manager, uh, sitting in the office. John Young came to our office. Everybody's doing presentations and so forth, and he snuck out the auditorium, and he was just walking around to everyone's desk just to have a conversation with them to understand what they were doing, how they liked HP. That was just amazing. You know, he stopped and spoke to admin folks as well as any sales reps that were left or CEs in the office. And so that was, he really practiced management by wandering around. You know, again, we didn't really want to have walls. We didn't have to have, you know, locked doors and so forth. So that was that was pretty incredible and you don't see that today you know today 
when I talk to a lot of younger people that work for major corporations, if the CEO comes around, there's a detail that tells them how to dress and what to say and so forth and, and what message they want to tell him. So then they're filtering good information from these guys that never get a chance to talk to the individual contributors. You know, you, you think about uh, what that must have meant seeing John Young walk around, and and I had some experiences uh, like that as well. And, you know, even if if you weren't the person that they talked to, just, just the visibility of that, of somebody walking around and uh, what it meant, um, it, you know, meant that they, they actually were trying to learn what it was like to be in your position and uh, to listen to you and respect you. And um, though that's what I mean about little things. I mean, it doesn't cost the CEO anything to do that, right? It's not like you're giving everybody a raise, but just that, um, that those little acts make such a big difference. It's, it's really impressive. Bob, I really appreciate you joining me today. Um, before I let you go, I'm sure everybody would love to hear what you're up to personally these days. Where are you located and what's going on in your life? Well, I still live in Plymouth, uh, Minnesota. And since I was retired, I got a chance to spend a lot of time with my grandkids, you know, tote them around and so forth. So it wasn't like HP when you know, you, you had something to do, you could get time off. Um, my kids, uh, if their kids had to do something, they couldn't do it if they didn't have a ride or so forth. So I kind of, I got a chance to watch my grandkids grow up and, you know, I was, uh, you know, part of their life, toting them around and all their friends. So as a hobby, I was into photography. I got a chance to do some uh, photography workshops, which is great to get out and see the state of Minnesota. And of course, people know that I still bicycle a lot, you know, which is really fun. I ran into Greg Fields this year. And it was good seeing him. That's great, Bob. Thanks again for joining me. And I look forward to when we can maybe get together sometime. Yes, yes. Thanks for listening. Larpenter Life is produced solely by me, Dave Carey. It's not affiliated or sponsored by HP in any way. Hey, please drop me a line at larpenterlife at gmail.com and tell me what you think. Also, please volunteer to be a guest. If you don't, I'm going to have to come over to your house and stalk you. So you might as well get it over with. Until next time, take care, everybody.